Hello, I'm your host, Leonard Duncan. Welcome to a new episode of ATV Talk and Motorsports Podcast. Please join us every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. We bring you interviews with industry professionals, live events, live news about the motorsports industry in every episode. Enjoy the show. Whether we are out riding with our friends and family or racing in extreme environments, we all need good tires. That's why I recommend GBC Power Sports Tires, a division of Greenball Corp. Their products, which include XC Master, Mini Master, and Groundbuster 3, are what leading professionals in the ATV UTV industry are using. You can get your tires at greenballtires.com or find them on Instagram as GBC Tires for further inquiries. Are you looking for the best suspension technology for your sport ATV? Look no further than Elka Suspension, the industry leader in sport ATV suspension technology. With championship wins in prestigious events such as the Dakar Rally, Score, Best in the Desert, ATV MX, Cross Country, and Works, Elka Suspension has established itself as the go-to choice for athletes and enthusiasts alike. But they don't just stop at ATVs. They're constantly expanding into new markets, including UTVs, trucks, SUVs, pit bikes, snowmobiles, and more. Their commitment to innovation and quality means they're always looking to improve and adapt so you can enjoy a smooth ride wherever you go. Want to learn more about what Elka Suspension can do for you? Visit their website at elkasuspension.com or give them a call at 450-655-4855. They will always be happy to answer your questions and help you find the perfect suspension solution for your needs. Welcome to DBR Racing Products the leader in 3D modeling and innovations. Since 2015, they have been revolutionizing the industry, starting with their groundbreaking YFZ450R battery boxes. But they didn't stop there. They have continued to push the boundaries, constantly improving their design with each new version. In 2018, they introduced the game-changing Vortex EXO cage specifically designed to securely hold the Vortex ECU in a safe and sturdy location. This breakthrough innovation ensures your ECU stays protected even in the toughest racing conditions. At DBR, they understand that every detail matters. That's why they also offer an array of essential products to enhance your racing experience. Their spark plug hold downs keep your engine firing at peak performance while their LTR breather boxes ensure optimal ventilation for your machine. Their LT250 engine skid plates are a must have for those seeking unmatched protection. Engineered to shield your engine from impacts and rough terrain, they provide the ultimate defense for your ATV. But that's not all, they've developed ProPeg mounts that allow you to use TRX450R Nerf bars, giving you greater control and maneuverability on the track. To explore their full range of innovative products and learn more about DBR Racing, visit their website at www.dbratv.com. You can also reach them directly at 507-828-1233. Their knowledgeable team is ready to assist you with any questions or inquiries. DBR Racing Products, where innovation meets performance, unleash the power within you. Adam Philbin, welcome to ATV Talk. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Oh, no problem. We had a little hiccup glitch there in the beginning, but we got her dialed in. Uh, you know, everyone trying to figure out technology these days, right? Uh, you know what? I've had more fluctuations in my technology in the last six weeks than you could ever imagine and that if you can hear that little yapper in the background that's my dad's dog <laughs> and he went on an errand without her and she's pissed oh i i totally get it my dogs are asleep downstairs but uh taking conference calls most days from home 
they love to, you know, jump in at the most inopportune time and make noise. Uh, well, the other ones are halfway across the property, so I don't get to hear them. But this little this little one here, uh, you know, she does not like to be without dad. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, it's 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 un, it's uncanny. You don't mm-hmm. think that they get attached, but wow, worse than worse than kids. Yeah, no kidding, right? <laughs> so I got to meet you at an expo at, at the off road expo that was just happened in Lakeside, California, uh, for uh the san diego off-road coalition and the clean desert and everything you're affiliated with clean desert but before we get into that i'd really like to know how did you get your background in the off-road world um yeah you know so (laughs) that's a good question a lot of people ask us um you know i've been around kind of for a while now and uh took some time off and so my face is kind of popping up again here and there but um, really, it takes me back to being a kid and um, playing with RC cars and wanting to do some type of off-roading in uh, early 2000s. Um, you know, I bought my first truck. I wanted some sort of lift and um, couldn't afford much. And, you know, put a put a drop racket lift on a Ford Ranger and decided, you know, it was that was going to be my off-road vehicle. And that kind of snowballed into um, building it for five, six years and started racing it, uh, in the mid two thousands. Wow. From nothing to racing. Yeah. Well, I mean, it took a while and a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of learning lessons along the way, but, um, was totally fun. We, you know, we enjoyed it and there's nothing more fun than probably racing your own vehicle that you built. And I wouldn't say being successful, but doing well. Um, you know, in the camaraderie of off-road, there are so many great people helping me along the way. And, um, yeah, I, I just, I enjoy it. I still have off-road trucks now and we go out all the time, but really started with, with my first car. And when you, you don't race anymore, I'm assuming you just do it as an enthusiast now. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm too slow now, or I was too slow even back then, but, uh, you know, the time, the energy, the money kind of caught up with me and, um, it was time to back off from, from that and, uh, get rid of the racing, you know, started a family and such. Um, but yeah, we raced from probably 2006 into, um, 2010, did a couple races in 2013, and then just decided it was, uh, time to look at new things and, um, have a little bit more fun relaxing instead of, uh, the stress behind racing. So do you spend most of your time in the hard pack desert or is, a or are you a, a dune goer as well? No, truthfully, I'm afraid of sand. Um, <laughs> the few times that I've been out to Pismo and Glamis, uh, I can't read the sand. I can't read the dunes. Um, and I'll be 100% honest. And so that scares, uh, it scares me. The first time I took a truck out to Pismo um, was probably 2002, 2003. And um, the first day dropped off a nice little ledge and smashed in my bumper um, luckily it didn't cause too much damage, but after that, I, I'm not a sand person. It's, it's mostly hard packed. So when you say hard packed, do you go to, uh, Octia Wells, Gordon's places like that, or are you going to go out to, uh, why am I drawing a blank at the, uh, the desert uh, <coughs> up North a bit? So, you know, uh, most of my history during racing, um, and spending, you know, probably through the mid to, you know, say 2000 to 2010, a lot of it was Barstow and Lucerne Valley. Um, that's where most of the races were. And that's where I was familiar with. We do a couple trips a year to Octia Wells. Um, but, you know, after that, nowadays, um, we, you know, again, trying to tone it down a bit and just relax a little bit more. And I kind of got tired of, you know, Barstow is very rough. Um, you have to have a lot of travel and big shocks and big tires. And so now with more of a street friendly pre-runner, I spend most of my time out in Ocotillo Wells, um, down into superstition. Um, we've been doing a lot of like point to point trips as well, Mojave trail, um, and doing trips up to 395 and just camping and having some fun. So not so much, uh, high speed, um, you know, spending laps on a course anymore. So, so are you in a caravan with 
just all trucks or is it or are you in, incorporating the jeeps the utvs and everything into into those uh you know i i would guess you're calling them um quick trail rides yeah i mean most of the stuff i mean whatever my friends have historically a lot of my friends have trucks and stuff um because it's nice to be able to jump on and off um the highway so utvs are a little bit harder with our group um but really it's it's more about just experience experiencing it having a a fun day whereas you know in our younger years it was how big a whoops we could go through as fast as we could and you know what jumps we were hitting that day and now it's you know it's very mellow our kids and our dogs are in the truck and probably a too much camping stuff and you know it's, it's more of a slow pace now slower pace i should say so you guys go out for a couple of days, drive X amount of number of miles. You know, you've already picked your, basically know your stopping point. Everybody gathers for the night and camps just right out of the, out of the trucks. Or do they have, um, or do you have people meeting you in the specific spots with RVs and things? You know, it, it really depends on the trip. So I won't lie. I'm a bit of a princess. The older I get, um, I found that, you know, tenting, isn't for me anymore. I prefer to be in an RV. And so when we go to Ocotillo and do stuff, we have some trailers out there. Uh, if we do stuff up the 395, I'll try to con my friends into towing my truck so I can tow a trailer that we can all sleep in. Um, usually once a year, twice a year, I'll get conned into a, a destination. Uh, you were telling me that uh, once or twice a year, you get conned into a... Um... Yeah, so once or twice a year, I get conned into sleeping in tents and roughing it. I like to call it, you know, roughing it, even though it's not so bad. Uh, but I don't get a comfy bed. I don't get a shower. I don't get a toilet. And so, um, you know, it, it's really, you know, the stories that come out of all those trips anyways are the most fun. And um, some of it's me complaining, whereas my friends are a little bit OK with sleeping in a in a tent and or on the ground. Not me so much. <laughs> You know, not not to change it up, but when I was going to the sand dunes with my buddies when we were younger, I would sleep on the back of the tailgate. I never took any of those things. I just I just I slept wherever I laid. And now I'm not going without the motorhome. Yeah. Yeah. I remember. Shoot. Must have been 2006, 2007. Uh, we went out to Ridgecrest. I was racing my truck. <clears throat> We uh, took my buddy's uh, weekend warrior. We were all going to sleep in it. It was going to be great. And I remember um, my friends partying a little too hard that night. It was probably about two in the morning. We had to be up at six to get ready for the race. Um, all my friends were extremely drunk and snoring so loud that I couldn't fall asleep. And I got so upset that I slept on a piece of plywood in the bed of my buddy's truck. Um, got about an hour and a half worth of sleep before, you know, having to race and drive all day the next day. And I still complain to him about it. But again, you look back and they're funny stories. And in my 20s, sleeping on that plywood wasn't the end of the world. Um, now I'm pretty sure I would be just completely worthless if that happened. So, yeah, it's a young man's game sleeping like that. Um, yeah. Uh, one of the teams I worked for in the last few years when we were racing best in the desert, Vegas Torino always starts out, you know, at the, like a, like a remote pit almost, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, and I'm sure you've been out there. And, and for some reason, you know, three miles up the road are hotels. <laughs> we have to sleep at the start. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and I'm just like, dude, what are you doing? I, we're going to drive all day tomorrow and not get to the finish line or not get to a decent meal for quite a while. Why are we, why are we sleeping here? Yeah. Hey, well, nobody, nobody said, nobody said off-roaders were intelligent, right? We just like to have a good time. <laughs> you, you know, I, I'll have to tell you as much as I complain about it, there was some of the fun times that we got to things we got to do with you know being out there at that area and there's nobody else there yet and we're there's maybe three people gonna that are gonna start there's a truck team there's an atv team which was us and a barbecue guy 
and he, and he fires up that barbecue and you know we all ask hey we ask how long before dinner and he said give me about an hour and a half and by the time hour and a half came there was standing room only around him because other people had showed up and that guy made a fortune that day it was it was awesome yeah i bet yeah those are i mean there's stories that a lot of people don't ever get to have or get to be a part of but in off-road you make a ton of them right every time you go out from testing to racing uh you're with your friends and you're meeting the rest of your off-road family whether they're on a different team or not, you, you can't, I can't, you can't beat the off-road community for camaraderie and friendship and just generally taking care of one another. Yeah. I, I mean, I think it's safe to say every single one of my friends now I've met through off-road. In fact, um, one of my best friends that I lived with for multiple years, he was my roommate. Um, I was in his wedding. We met at a race out in Lucerne in the middle of the desert um, he, for whatever reason, signed up to be uh, uh, to work a road crossing, and we were out there with a bunch of friends. Saw him basically sitting in his truck alone throughout the middle of the night. So we walked over and were like, "Hey, you should hang out at our fire and um, you know hang out with us for tonight because it looks like you're pretty bored and lonely over there." And um, you know that created the best friendship. You know, one of the best friendships I've had. He actually ended up racing with me as my co-driver for many years. Um, and, you know, I've known him for almost 20 years now, um, but we met him just in the middle of the desert. Didn't didn't really know each other at that point. And um, yeah, all my friends have been like that, though. That's the, the, that's the great stories of off road. Yeah. You know, that kind of brings us into. You know, we're all trying to conserve conserve our off road in environments, you know, whether it be sand dunes, whether we're going to go race in the desert, you know, anywhere mainly we're dealing with California, but keeping the desert clean is not only something it sounds like that you've taken on for yourself and and a lot of your friends, but it's something that you're trying to bring public awareness to. Yeah. You know, for me, it's important when we were back racing, um, having that good time, you know, I tell a story, a lot of people ask like, why did we start clean desert? Um, and a big part of it. I'm so, yeah, going back to why we started Clean Desert, um, you know, back in 2005, 2006, we were racing uh, the 1450 class, which if anybody's familiar with it back in the days, pre-runners built out of our driveways, um, a bunch of rowdy kids. And Clean Desert was more so more or less my way to say, you know, even though we're a bunch of rowdy kids, um, probably being loud and annoying. Um, we were, there was something positive to give back to our sport, right? Um, some of the older crowds that were maybe more buggy related probably saw us as, you know, the young punk kids. And I just wanted to show that, you know, even though we're having probably a little too much fun out there, um, that we could do something to give back to the sport. And racing in Barstow, um, there's an area called College Hills, which is right kind of behind the city. And um, there was there was always trash back there, no matter where we went you would always find trash. Um, it's a lot of illegal dumping. And so our, my thought was, you know, how do, how do I give back to the sport from to help, you know, prolong it, to help make sure that we're not losing lands? Um, and really, to almost as a thank you too to a lot of these companies and friends that I've made friends with throughout the years, right? Like um, I use Camberg as a great example. They're huge off-road um, truck company, they build parts and build trophy trucks and stuff. Back in the day, you know, they were a smaller company, but they're always there to support me with my racing. Um, if I needed stuff, they're always great to help me out and um, even help me learn how to build trucks and what parts would work and what wouldn't work and stuff. And so to me, it was important to like um, prolong this longevity of what our sport was. I didn't want to see land taken away, getting closed down. Um, and so we thought like, all right, let's let's make a fun event that people could go to. And uh, what would we base it around? We would base it around picking up trash because that was a positive side of stuff. Um, and there was a, a decent following. I think our first cleanup, we had 40 or 50 people. Um, BLM, we didn't we didn't tell anybody we were doing it other than friends that we were going to be out there. And we said, hey, we're going to barbecue um, if you guys want to come and have some fun with us. And so we did it and BLM didn't know about it. They they came out and saw us doing it because it was down the street from their field office. 
And they said, hey, great for you. We, you know, we appreciate what you guys are doing. Um, and then, you know, the next year it just kept growing and um, it started to take off. It allowed us to give back to uh, the volunteers that showed up for us, which is a neat thing for me. Um, coming from a kid, building a truck in a driveway, not knowing what I was doing and not having the funds um, to necessarily buy all the parts I wanted. This was a great opportunity um, to work with the companies that had helped me along the way to give back to these kids. So our whole mantra was um, really, if you come out and clean, you have the ability to win parts that you may not be able to afford on your own. And so that really drives our numbers and makes it really um, pretty neat to see kids win things. And I should say even young adults and stuff win things that are expensive for them. Um, so not only are we giving back to the off-road community by cleaning up, but we're giving back by supplying kids the ability to win parts for their trucks that they may not be able to afford. So do you just have a raffle when you're out there or are you bringing the companies out with you um, and, and having them maybe set up a display or, you know, bringing some of their stuff to, to, to show so people can, you know, after they're done cleaning or picking up trash for a specific time, they can come and check out truck parts or, or some of the other um, vendors that may show up. Yeah. So we, we started out by um, doing raffles Um, and we raffle off um, usually nowadays, at least somewhere between 30 and thousand, 30, 20 and $30,000 worth of product. Um, And so that's all donated by all these companies that help us out. We also within the last few years have been having the, the companies come out as vendors um, and be able to show product, sell product there, um, and really give them a bit of a presence to make our event a little bit larger. Um, but some of the things that's really neat, like, uh, again, going back to Camber, because they've been a huge supporter, they've donated a rear-end housing, a full-floater housing that retails prices somewhere between $1,000 and $1,500. Um, <clears throat> we do, you know, a lot of neat stuff like King Shocks or Baja Designs Lights, like substantial prizes. Um, and that's that's important for us because, again, coming from a kid without a ton of money, those are hard to come by. Like even nowadays, you know, that's that's neat to be able to to win something like that. And so that's kind of a big thing for us is like we have a raffle um, with really large prizes and everyone can take their tickets and put them in a box for whatever they want to win. Um, and if they don't win whatever that large prize is, then all the tickets go into a general raffle, which means that every ticket has a chance to win twice, basically, um, or at least, you know, you don't you don't lose all your tickets if you don't win the first thing. Um, but yeah, just working with all these companies, everyone's been so gracious to support us um, and help these events go on. And it's helping us grow um, and really um, kind of drive home the message that having the deserts open is important because without the deserts, a lot of these companies don't exist anymore. Well, a lot of our industry, you know, you're talking the trailer industry, you know, the, I know weekend warrior is not a thing anymore, but, but, but the toy hauler industry is now going to suffer. Some of your motorhome industry is going to suffer. So it's not just that the off-road it's the whole off-road community is going to to take a big chunk of their business right out of it. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I I mean, for us, it's, it's really neat. I mean, to get to work with companies that I never thought I'd be working with um, and watching kids, you know, build trucks and make relationships, you know, going back to, you know, one of the neat things for us. And if, if you're really old into, you know, pre-runner type trucks, there was this great organization called uh, pre-runners. What was it? Inland pre-runners, they started like a really grassroots racing thing um, back in the day where, you know, if you're a kid, you could get out and race a truck that may not have a roll cage, or maybe they did have rolls for roll cages back then, but you weren't, it was affordable. You were racing against other kids that, um, you know, had very similar trucks and it wasn't a full-blown desert race, right? It was just a little small short course thing. And really like that opened up this whole off-road thing to a lot of people and so a little bit clean desert that's what we're trying to do is like expose people to off-roading and you don't have to be um you know in in racing you don't have to be like a trophy truck driver right you don't 
have to be these big guys that you can still go out with, you know, um, trucks with, you know, smaller kits, not as big tires, not a big shocks, still go out and have fun at the end of the day. And all that's important. And so there's so many aspects of, you know, what we're trying to do with clean desert, not only just cleaning, but helping people get into the sport, helping people build the trucks and create a positive atmosphere around everything that we're doing. That's so important. If Have you reached out to some of the other off-roading community, you know, the UTV industry, maybe the, the ATV motorcycle guys, have you reached out to any of those people to try to get them involved with you? Yeah. So we're seeing, you know, I don't have contacts in any of those. Right. And so it's really hard to know, you know, where those contacts are and who we reach out to. But the neat thing is through our events, um, we're getting more companies interested. Um, we've had a couple UTV companies um, come on board and sponsor us last year. Chupacabra Off-Road um, donated some really cool UTV stuff um, to us. And so like, as we're growing, those companies are reaching out, which is great for us. You know, even talking to you guys and meeting uh, uh, your team out at the Lakeside event is opening doors. And it's really creating a the positive atmosphere that we can cross promote, not only Clean Desert, but um, other companies that, you know, we can help grow as well with uh, our growth. I, th- I think that uh, what you're doing, as far as what we're seeing, it, it, it's such a huge positive impact. And I believe if we can all work together, we can solve some of these issues that we have with people not taking care of the desert properly or misusing it when they do go out. Maybe they're not leaving trash, but they're but they're destroying portions of the desert by not abiding by the unwritten rule. You know, that's a big, it's a big message with what we do, or at least a big thought in our mind that we're trying to maybe come up with solutions to help, right? Like I can't fix everything, but I think education is a big thing. And it's um, with a lot of people, you know, it's easy to point fingers at other people as to why there's issues, right? Why is there trash? It's the off-roaders. Well, depending on where you go, a lot of that trash is illegal dumped trash. Barstow, a lot of it is. However, don't get me wrong. There's there's trash from off-roaders and other people that recreate out there. Um, I would love to, you know, it's the easiest thing in the world to say, well, it's this group, it's this group. These people are trashing it. The realization, you know, if I if I really want to put my mind to it is there's probably a lot of groups that need education, right? Um, as a new off-roader, you don't really know the lay of the land, right? And so it's easy to say that, well, hey, even the new people, like, you know, it's so silly that you you leave trash out there, you leave beer cans or you leave a easy up. But truthfully, if you see trash, then you just assume that's kind of what you do, right? Which isn't the right answer by any means, but it should be companies like ours and um, even the off-road companies in general or enthusiasts in general, it we owe it to our sport to say something, right? And it's hard to do when when you're out in out in the desert, you know, sometimes it's weird approaching people. You certainly have to have some sort of tact at how to respectively maybe tell somebody that they're doing something wrong because nobody wants to be told that they messed up or that they're doing something wrong. And so part of, you know, our goal for this is to try to figure out how to educate people. And so part of our social media that I want to try to do is provide some more thoughts on trash. I had a, a great friend, um, his name's Paul he, on social media is all American Cinder. He hit me up the other day and he's like, have you ever thought about trash in Ocotillo Wells? A lot of it's windblown trash. And I said, yeah, it's, it's not much illegal dumping out there. And he's like, have you ever thought about the fact that maybe we should educate people to clean up your camps before you go to bed? And I was like, no, you know, I, it seems self-explanatory, but his, his thought process was, you know, a lot of times those winds kick up at night, people don't necessarily, you know, they leave trash in their um, cup holders of their chairs or on a table. The wind kicks up at night, you wake up and everything's gone. Right. And you're not, you're not purposely littering, but you are littering by doing that. And so he's like, what do you think about discussing, um, you know, that thought that maybe 
we should be telling people, you know, try to clean up before bed and just put the thought in people's mind and maybe five people do it, maybe 10 people do it or 50 people do it. But would that reduce the amount of windblown trash? And I think those are really interesting thoughts because it's nothing that I thought about on my own. It's 100 percent his idea. But I think there's a lot of merit to that. Right. Is a not everyone, you know, is a bad person. They don't mean to litter, but inadvertently it's possible for that to happen, right? Or you throw stuff in the bed of your truck and you forget about it. And as you're flying down the desert, stuff flies out. And so part of what I want to do is not only put on these events, but try to figure out a good way to provoke people to think about, you know, what other ways we can be positive about making sure that that's not happening. Um, and so, you know, we, we have thoughts about it, but I think it's things that, you know, we all need to learn together. Right. I agree. And I think that that is an outstanding pre preparation for it, you know, starting to educate people on, Hey, this causes a problem also, not just carrying out the stuff that you collected in, in, when you were cleaning up the camp but all the things that you could have collected every night before you go to bed, you know, where you got that trash bag sitting out by the trailer open. Yeah. And it was half empty when you came out in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, you know, it's, it's interesting because again, you know, while we've been doing this for many years, we started in 2006 to 2010. uh, We had about a nine year hiatus. Uh, because of a bunch of different things that were going on and we came back, but it's still a learning curve, right? Like people look at us for, you know, how you make this stuff happen, but I'm learning daily, um, you know, how we can do stuff better, what we can do, how we should be looking at things. In fact, I just talked to Octia Wells um, State Park this morning about uh, our cleanups and what we can do better for them and how we can work better together. And one of the interesting comments and thoughts that came out of that was just by having our events there, they feel like, um, especially because we do it on President's Day, a bigger weekend out there, they feel like having our presence there and people cleaning out Ocotillo then creates this sense of um, your it's your home, right? It's Ocotillo. Hey, we cleaned last year. We need to make sure that it stays clean this year. And so they've said that they they feel like that's starting to make a change where um, because people are there, because they saw people cleaning on a holiday weekend, because maybe they did clean, that now more people are taking, you know, uh, I don't know what the word is, but taking pride in their taking pride exactly. in their area. Yeah, they're taking pride in Ocotillo Wells saying, hey, it's not okay. Like, you know, if they see something, they are more likely to say something, which again, is is a good thing if we can do it responsibly and get people on board. Um, and so, you know, that's that's a trend that ultimately, you know, I can put on a couple cleanups a year based on, you know, what our schedule is because I work a normal day job just like everybody else, all my team does. Um, but outside of that, it's like the bigger vision of like, how do we make it cool to be responsible about our off-roading and how do we how do we teach the newer generation coming in that this is something that needs to be done or it won't be there? And that's, you know, that's something that's always in the back of my mind is that goal. It's not just putting on the cleanups, but how do we take the brand of clean desert and put that in front of people? And how do we, how do we make it, you know, a, a person's decision to want to wear the brand, want to promote the brand, want to make sure that, you know, that, is involved in their lifestyle. Um, and it's not for everyone, but that's, that's a big thing for me is, you know, just to make sure that we're keeping that in the back of our mind while we're out in the desert. It, it should be for everybody. And it's, it, it has to be a cultural move where the way you put your events on, it sounds to me like you're making them a fun event and it's giving it, giving the cleaning the desert, a a um, feel of positiveness and that it is going to be a fun event because yeah, you may go down and clean on Saturday, but you spend a Saturday night, you have a great time with your friends 
maybe you got to do a little bit of riding on on Saturday night. And then on Sunday, you have breakfast with all your buddies and, and the families that you have down there. And then you go home with a huge sense of accomplishment for taking care of your, your, your other home. Yeah. Maybe not the home that you, you live in obviously, but the, the, the desert, there's people that go down there 10, 12, 15, maybe 20 times a year. It, it kind of is their home. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I think of the desert more of my home. Like I'd rather be in the desert and truthfully, don't get me wrong. I like the desert, but if I were to live somewhere, it would probably be in the mountains, but I go to the desert because it's close. It's quiet. And it gets me away from city life, which I love just having, you know, having the openness. Right. And, um, you know, you talk about making an event fun. I want it to be a hundred percent fun for everyone. I mean, first and foremost, we're cleaning, but you take a normal schedule of our event. Everyone, uh, typically we do free event shirts for the first three to 400 people that show up. So you walk in, you're handed free stuff. Nobody, nobody's going to say no to that. We tell people to go clean from eight to noon, which isn't necessarily backbreaking work. We say, go take your, your trucks, your UTVs, um, even your dirt bikes, whatever. Go, go play with them in the desert. It isn't just one area that we typically clean. It's, you know, you can go in five miles to the south, five miles uh, to the east or the west or the north, wherever you're going, go have fun, right? That's, you know, besides cleaning, first and foremost, you have to have fun. And so we say, you know, bring trash back as you fill our, as you fill your vehicles and you get raffle tickets, free raffle tickets for a free raffle. Um, come back at noon, we're going to feed you, right? So free food. Again, nobody's going to say no to free food. Um, and then at the end of lunch, then we do a free raffle for everyone. And so the point is, if you're in the desert, you should be using your vehicles. You should be having fun. You should be cleaning along with that. And then, like you said, in the afternoons, typically because we have anywhere from four to 600 people out there. And again, because we're all, you know, pre-runner uh, minded people that want to have some fun. Usually you can find trucks out jumping, having fun. And so it turns into a good opportunity if you're not familiar with, you know, or you've never been up close to a vehicle jumping and um, or going through whoops really fast. And you get to see what these people have spent tons of money on, you know, what they do for fun. And to me, that's, you know, that's half the fun. You go to Glamis, which, you know, obviously you guys are telling me that you're familiar with all the time. It's like the sand drags. Um, you know, that's what people want to do is say like, look, I've, you know, I work every single day really hard to afford this new motor or the suspension. And now it's time to kind of show people like, this is what it can do. And so same with our events, we get, you know, a lot of trucks out there. Um, it turns into, and safety is a very big thing. Um, but safely they're out there having fun. People are taking pictures and it, it really turns into a neat experience where it's it's basically a free show that otherwise, you know, where else are you going to see that you you can go online and see it, but it's different when you're when you're out there, um, you know, breathing some of the dirt and shoulder to shoulder with a bunch of great people um, excited to see that type of thing. And so that's for us, that's huge. And now we're talking about what we can do at night. Do we play movies? Do we have, um, you know, a bonfire with everyone? Because, again, the entire the whole purpose for the event besides cleaning is bonding with other people in our sport. Um, because, you know, I take people in my neighborhood, there's not a whole lot of people that off road. Right. And so when, when you get the opportunity to go do that with your friends um, and meet new people, that's, that's a great feeling. And you're going to want to go to the next event to see those friends that maybe you haven't seen in a while to use your truck and to show what upgrades you've done between um, events. And so the the goal is to you know keep that going keep that momentum and having fun if it's not fun people aren't going to show up if it's not fun i'm not going to show up truthfully <laughs> right so i got i have two things that are that are bouncing around in the in the marbles up here <laughs> um do you get many of the celebrity guys you know maybe the the famous companies or the drivers come out and and visit with you guys for the, the these events 
Yeah, um, you know, it all depends on who you qualify as celebrities, right? Um, we do. So, like, the, our last event, in just talking about a couple of these people. So, our last event um, in uh, Barstow last year, we had Justin Lofton out there, which, if you're not familiar, he drives a trophy truck. Um, it's the Fox trophy truck, all beef trophy truck. He was out there um, in his, you know, he had a, a booth set up. We had people's racing out there with their trophy truck on display. Um, we have some great friends that, you know, I've grown to know over the years um, that are more, you know, great racers, but I'd say, you know, capture people's eyes, social influencers, if you will. Um, All-American Cinder, the Eisenhowers, um, who are truck racers, they were out at uh, Lakeside with us. Um, they'll usually show up, you know, we have friends with Terra crew, so they bring a lot of people along usually, um, Darren Parsons, you know, uh, again, I feel bad name dropping all these people, but they are. And the neat thing about that, um, even for me, and this is going to be embarrassing, right? But I've known some of these people for years and I don't regularly talk to them. I talk to them maybe once a year, if that. And so sometimes it's weird to go up to these people that, you know, are, online on social media posting all this stuff that are larger than life but the neat thing is like you show up to the cleanups and they're all normal people um blake wilkie he's been at a lot of our um Akatia wells events and so like it's kind of neat to see this when like you know kids that um don't have exposure to these people that they see on tv they're out at the events and they're like hey that's so and so and, you know, they run over either for an autograph or to take a picture with them. Like, that's the neat thing about off-road, the off-road industry as a whole is everyone is very open, right? Like everyone, everyone started, and I had this whole conversation with some friends at the Lakeside event is like, we all started as goofy little kids. And as we got older, you know, we've either become, you know, racers ourselves or washed up racers like myself. And some of them, like the Eisenhowers, are doing such neat things that I can't even grasp um, all the things that they have going on. But they're all real people that you just chat with like a normal person, right? Like, even though you see them on online and everything, they seem larger than life. They're all so down to earth. And so, you know, that's a neat thing is like you're always meeting these people no matter where you're going. That's that's so cool that they that they participate as well. And you know, famous is subjective to who you're talking to because there are people that are influencers or company owners that you know you're talking about. You know, brand X and that and the owner of that company and everybody knows of him, but they don't see him or her because they're working. Yeah. But when you see them out there and they say hi and they participate, it makes it easier to buy their product because you can actually see they're real. It, and it is, you know, in again, talking about being embarrassing because I'm 40 years old, but um, Andy McMillan last year donated um, a trophy truck, the roof of his trophy truck and the hood to his trophy truck. And so I got to go down to his shop and pick that stuff up. And that all happened through some great friends um, at Terra Crew who kind of put that together. But having him, you know, talk about like being starstruck a little bit, having somebody like that, who, again, is just a normal guy with great opportunities and the ability to drive like the Dickens. But now he's posting on social media saying, hey, you guys need to support Clean Desert because this is an important thing. Like everyone in the industry is so on board with what we're doing. It's killer. But like then I get starstruck because it's like, hey, that guy that like, again, I'm watching on TV or on the Internet is like supporting what we do, you know, here I am like an adult, I shouldn't be that superstar struck, but it's cool to see that. And so I can only imagine it coming from a 20 year old who's new to the sport and has no connections anywhere. Like that's, you know, that type of stuff to see those type of people out there is like a really big deal. Well, it's going to be that young 20 something with the young child or early thirties guy that has a five, six, seven year old that's you know, mesmerized by these trucks and they see that guy saying, Hey, you need to support clean desert. That young man or young lady, when they become a teenager or into their early twenties is going to remember that. And when they're out there with their friends, they're going to be picking up after themselves. And that's 
changing the culture and making doing exactly what you want it to happen. It just takes yeah. so long for that for that shift to happen. One of the other things that I was that you brought up earlier when you were talking about you had that cleanup and it was just down the road from the BLM office. Mm-hmm. Um, how do these organizations, whether it's Park Service, BLM, or anybody else, how do they relate to these events where most of the time you want to, they make you have a permit or they want you to um, get with them so that you can lay this out? Do they uh, just openly say, hey, you guys are doing something great. Just come and do what you got to do. And, and and don't worry about it, or do they actively get involved? That's a great question. Um, you know, my earlier years, we kind of flew under the radar. Um, as we become bigger, um, we get more exposure, which means that we need to fall in line a little bit more with the rules and regulations. Um, so far, we've been, you know, really lucky to work with some great people. Um, California State Parks, um, they actually invited us out two years ago to Akatia Wells. Um, They were putting on cleanups on their own. They would have about 30 people show up. And while it was successful for what it was, I guess there were some discussions of like, how how do we make changes to that? Um, And so through some people that knew what we were doing for Clean Desert, they had reached out to me. One of the state parks representatives reached out and basically just shot me an email and said, hey, we need some help. Do you think you could do anything? Um, and I jumped at the opportunity because I love Ocotillo Wells. I, uh, I spent a lot of time there and you, I basically said, yes, we can. Um, and so we started that relationship with them. Um, there's still the, the issues of, you know, having to get permits, having to, um, appease what their needs are. But the great thing is, and especially in Ocotillo Wells, they understand the impact of what we do um, and where it could be easy for them to say, you know, hey, there's so many people out here. We don't, you know, we think it's an issue. Um, I think they understand, you know, most of them, most of the agencies understand what we're doing and we're helping them at the end of the day. And so we get quite a bit of, um, I don't know if we get leeway, but they're, they're very interested in helping us out um, because it, it helps them. It helps us. Um, and it's really, there's no downside to it. And so, um, it's interesting because, you know, I, I've never run my own business until I started this. And I thought like, I really had to sell myself as far as like a business, but because of what we're doing, it sells itself. Um, so many people want to back us, which then gives me more drive to keep going just because everyone, you know, it's a great cause and everyone wants to back that great cause. And so, um, you know, doors get open for us that, you know, if it wasn't for what we were doing, I think would be a lot more difficult. And so that really helps kind of our whole initiative is off-roading as a whole is behind us. Every every single person is. There's some people that, you know, may not be as interested in off-roading. And so, you know, they don't want to support us as much, but ultimately like the core group of everyone, whether it's BLM, California State Parks, everyone I talk to is just so appreciative of what we're doing. Um, and so it really, you know, it makes it easy on us. Does does this make it easier for the political climate to go and speak with the representatives in uh, California that want to close the deserts? Are, are, are we noticing that there's a benefit in the political circle um, to say, hey, we understand there's a problem and we're addressing it. That's a great question. Truthfully, my forte, like there's nothing that I want less in the world is to get involved with politics. It just sounds horrible to me. So I don't know, but there's a lot of great organizations. Um, You know, we just worked with San Diego Off-Road Coalition. The whole Lakeside event um, was really to fund a lobbyist in Sacramento to make sure that our lands don't get closed. Um, While that's not necessarily my forte to be involved in um, what happens in Sacramento, um, you know, I I find that what I'm good at is creating events and bringing people together and doing that. And so, like, I want to stay within my box there. I'm a 
not that I'm afraid, but I just don't want to get into the politics side because again, to me, that's very boring. And we, we, we tried years ago, um, probably 2009, 2010, um, Part of the military wanted to take over Lucerne Valley, Johnson Valley area. And so we went to a lot of those meetings to voice our opinions and stuff. And to me, it was almost like a bit of a losing battle. And so it was very frustrating coming out of those that um, they they take part of the land and part of it you can't access and all this stuff. And so I basically have just said to myself, I want to stick where I think I can do the most impact. And that's uh, pushing clean desert to its limits, but the political side, I don't know. I just don't have the heart to get into, get involved in that. So companies, so organizations like, uh, San Diego off-road coalition, they can come to you and talk to you about setting up cleans or talk to you about, uh, being a part of an event like the expo in Lakeside so that you're, are working with them but you're not having to get involved with the politics. Yeah. You know, I mean, my whole thing is at the end of the day, like a lot of people ask, you know, how we've grown clean desert, how we do what we do. And I'm open and honest about any of it. Anybody that ever wants to know they're welcome to reach out. Um, You know, to me, like there's no safeguarding what clean desert does because that would mean that I'm not interested in keeping deserts and land clean, right? I want more people doing cleanups because that means that there's more goodness being done. And at the end of the day, if I give away my bread and butter clean desert um, to everyone else and they do a better job than me, then it means that I get to sit back and relax and watch better work being done. And so to me, there's no, you know, there's no rivalry or like any kind of concern about helping out other companies it's all, it's, it's all a bonus to everyone. Right. And so, you know, we'll show up, we, we went out to Dove Springs and showed up to a Corva cleanup. Um, Mint 400 does a cleanup each year that we go to and try to help promote um, and give some raffle prizes and some shirts and hats and stuff. San Diego Off-Road Coalition, we teamed up with them. And so where we find the free time to go help these people, by all means, I want to do as much as I can, because it's all a benefit to the desert. There's, there's no reason not to help everyone. And so, um, you know, my goal is to really work with the people where we can. Um, and again, you know, the luxury of time, I wish I could do this as a full-time job. Um, so I could spend more time doing it and go more places. Um, but we have to selectively pick where we can be and where our time makes the most impact. Um, but yeah, it's really, you know, it's neat for me because I haven't, I wasn't exposed to a lot of these other companies um, or at least know, you know, how they're, how they're working. I kind of did this in a vacuum just because it needed to be done. And I didn't see a whole lot of um, other people doing it. And so I started doing it right within the last couple of years. Now we're making more connections um, with all these great companies um, or nonprofits, friends of Oceano Dunes, San Diego Off-Road Coalition, Corva, um, Terrible Soul. And now being able to work with these companies is like really neat because again, it's it's a learning curve. I get to learn new things. I get to meet new people and we get to team up and make sure as like a whole that, you know, we're, we're promoting something great for our industry. That you're an incredible guy and you have an incredible group of people working with you. And, uh, from where I'm sitting, I appreciate everything you're doing. And I appreciate that you're also being a liaison for us with the BLM and the park services. Uh, one of the things that I think that you're doing for us that you may not even realize is that you're softening the impact when the consumer of the desert goes and interacts with these people. They're not so anti um, what I mean by the BLM people being angry at the off-roaders or angry at the people using it, you know, their uh, approach is a little softer. And I think by Clean Desert being involved, the people that go to the desert are having a better outlook on the forestry and the and the park services and the BLM so everybody can work together, which is ultimately what we're supposed to do anyways. 
that's an interesting angle. I never even, I never even correlated those. You know, I just look at it as like, Hey, we, we all got to do something good. And, um, but uh, you know, it, it is hard being young in the desert. I remember, um, especially in Akatia Wells, like when the Rangers came up to you, if, if you were camped in one of the campgrounds and being a little rowdy at night, it was always about, you know, uh Oh, like the cops are here. Right. And, um, <laughs> they were always so nice to us at the end of the day as well. Um, but you know, they do, they have a difficult job because there is people that are probably more rowdy than they need to be. And, um, especially when you get, you know, slightly intoxicated, then you have the Rangers come up like that's a difficult job. I'm not so sure I'd want to do that either. Um, but if, if anything that we're doing makes their job easier then like, that's a good thing. You know, it's, it should be, again, I was telling the Rangers this morning that I, when I was on a conference call with them is that like, I'm here to make your job easier because nobody wants to have a job where somebody's given them grief, right? Like we've all dealt with those people through our normal jobs. And like, this is clean deserts, just donated time that I'm donating to have fun. And so like, there's no reason I don't want to get grief from anybody. I don't want to give anybody else grief. Like this should all be positive at the end of the day. And so I think, you know, that message, you know, even if it's within clean desert off-road or outside of that is like, we're all just trying to get through our day and we're trying to get through our weekend so we can have fun and, you know, trying to make everybody's life easier. So whatever we can do as people to help other people out to, you know, have fun, have good opportunities to do things like we we should all be doing it. Why not? Right. It doesn't hurt so much negative in the world. Like what can we do to just have some fun and and, and go out and do that? And that's, you know, that's the majority of why people go to the desert is like, they want to escape the real world. Um, maybe go really fast where they don't get the opportunities to do that in the city. Um, or, you know, have a quiet night in the desert, um, or get to jump something or get the adrenaline rush of, you know, racing ATVs. Like it's an escape for all of us. So right. Let's have a good time doing it. Which I don't even think you realize the cultural impact that you're having. Yes. It's, it, it's not a fast moving cultural impact, but it is an impact and, and it's a positive impact on society. And I know this is a dirty word politics, but <laughs> that's ultimately that's ultimately what we have to do to change the world is to change the culture and to bring a positive outlook to clean desert, to the interaction between us and the people that are, are taking care of our deserts, we need to have positive. And, and I think that you and your organization are actually doing that. Um, and I'm an outsider looking in because I just heard of clean desert at the expo and I'm just learning about the things that you're doing. And I'm fascinated that you're not bigger. This is, this is incredible. And I'm going to be passing it on as often as I can and anytime that I can uh, bring my little group of my little show to, to you guys and, and participate, we're going to. Yeah. We, I mean, we appreciate it. Like I said, it's clean desert, you know, I, somehow my ugly mug became the face of it uh, because I started it, but I have so many great friends and so many great people that support us um, at the end of the day. And the, you know, everyone's doing it for free, right? Like, nobody's nobody makes money off clean desert at the end of the day all these companies are donating a ton of product because it needs to be done we're donating a ton of time um you know i even wrote my friends into barbecuing us for us um bad lines good times is a new website they have a forum but they they basically said hey how can we help and it's like if you ever cooked for 600 people at once do you want to learn how and they're like yeah let's do it you know and so it's so neat to watch you know, hundreds of people come together for a good cause because, you know, I don't feel that there's enough of those opportunities out there, but the off-road community is killing it right now. I can't tell you about, you know, we, we did some cleanups in some shooting areas and trying to get those people involved. They were pointing fingers saying, well, it's not me. I shouldn't have to clean. You don't get that with the off-road community. The off-road community is all in and they're, they're a hundred percent behind it. And so it's interesting. That's why I love this community so much is that um, you look at things that happen throughout the, throughout the years that I've been in off-road, whether it's been tragic accidents, 
um, you know, racers getting hurt, all this stuff, like so many people band together. Um, and to me, you know, that, that shows what off-roaders are about. You talk about losing land and you have people like the Sierra club that are hikers and stuff that want to take our, our land from us and remove motor vehicles. I don't think you have any of these groups that have as much heart as off-roaders at the end of the day. And, um, you know, that's, that has a lot to show for just the mindset and the type of people that, that we all deal with. And that's something to be proud of, I think is, you know, while I think off-roaders sometimes get, you know, thrown into this bad light that, you know, we're, we're not a good group of people. I would say it's pretty hard pressed to, um, you know, core off-road people that spend a lot of time out there to find groups that aren't like very family oriented, um, willing to help everyone. Um, no matter where they are, if somebody's broken down or somebody's hurt or anything else, like you go to the desert, like you have tons of great people that are just willing, um, willing to do the right thing. I agree with that. You know, I totally agree with that. And Adam, I thank you so much for taking the time to educate us on what clean desert is and to share your experiences. Uh, where can everybody find you? So most of our stuff, social media is all done on Instagram these days. So clean desert, uh, desert spelled with a Z um, is, you know, where we do most of our promotion. You can go to our website. It's www.clean-desert spelled with a Z.org. Um, that will have info on our upcoming um, events. It has um, merch on there. If you guys want to support us, a mailing list also has a bunch of write-ups from our past events. So if you want to see um, or know what to expect, if you ever want to come out to an event, um, we try to, you know, give some, some write-ups of, you know, what it takes, what we've done to create the events, um, you know, what the days are like and try to make it a little bit fun uh, just because again, it's all about having fun. So you can go there, Facebook, cleandesert.org as well. Um, but any of those areas, you know, feel free to reach out to us. Um, you know, while, while we look like we may be a bigger organization, it's just a couple of us. Um, and you know, we get back to everyone because it's important. Again, we want to have fun. We want to expand it. And, um, no matter who you are out there, we want you involved, um, and take you along for a ride and have a great journey with us. Well, we appreciate that and keep up the good work. Know that we ATV Talk is here for you on all of our platforms. If you need to release anything or to get something out there, maybe a little wider range than you normally would, please use us. You know, if you send us the information or link up with us or get a hold of us, we will be more than glad to um, lend our platform to you to uh, push it out there and reach more people. No, we we totally appreciate it. We, we appreciate you guys uh, wanting to be involved with us and helping us promote you know, a good cause and uh, just being a good stewardess on your own of the desert. You know, it's it's great to meet people like you. And I can't wait to um, have these discussions in the future with you. I, I think it's going to be awesome. Uh, the next event that, that we can all get together on, it, it's it's too far away already. <laughs> Ain't that the truth? So if you guys are interested, November 4th in Barstow, sorry, November 11th in Barstow um, is going to be our next cleanup um, shooting for Five, 600 people, 10 dumpsters. Uh, we're going to make it a big one. Is there a specific uh, location icon that you produce on the website that we can get to? Yeah. So if you're familiar with Barstow at all, it's Outlet Center Drive in the I-15 and just inside the uh, Sauter Wells OHV area um, is the main area. But again, follow our social media. We Before all events, we post all of our sponsors, all the raffle prizes we have, locations, any pertinent information, it also be up on our website. Other than driving through Barstow, heading to Vegas to go race there, um, not super familiar. We haven't done a lot of racing out in, in that area. Well, are you familiar with the outlet malls in Barstow where everybody yes. either eats in and out or Del Taco? Yes. We're about two miles south of there. Okay. Barstow Del Taco is always one of our big sponsors because if you're into off-road, and you spend any time in Barstow, everyone's there eating Barstow Del Taco. So on that weekend, if you show up any time between eight and noon, you're going to see about five, 600 people uh, scouring the desert. It's pretty hard to miss. It's actually a pretty neat thing to see uh, if you park up on a hill and just watch 
droves of off-road vehicles out picking up trash all over the desert. It's uh, it's pretty unique. That's pretty awesome. We're going to have to uh, put that on our calendar and see if we can make it. Perfect. Well, thanks again, and I look forward to talking to you in the future. No problem, brother. Thank you. And like I said, if you need us to, to put something out there, reach out to us. I will definitely be in contact with you again. Um, so we will, uh, the, what goes along with this episode is a live Instagram show and I will reach out to you. It's, it's usually in the evenings on Wednesdays, but I'll reach out to you and uh, see if we can arrange that. Perfect. Sounds great. I'd love to do it. All right, brother. Thank you again so much, Adam, Adam from clean desert, everybody. You guys got to get out there and support this. It's it's super, super important for not just California. This is something that is going to affect the nation and we need to follow Adam's lead. The team here at ATV Talk would love your feedback. Please email us at hello at ATVTalkPodcast.com. San Diego's Body Evolution and Wellness Center. With over 17 years experience, Dr. Heidi looking out after all your chiropractic needs and Coach PJ looking out after all your fitness needs. Visit our website, www.bodyevolution.org or call for an appointment, 619-987-8875. If you're in need of a consultation for your current racing program, a custom ATV, or an industry guest speaker, I have the company for you. Duncan Technologies International Inc. offers host, MC, and guest speaking services at events. Builds custom ATVs for recreational riding or racing around the world. And they offer consulting services for professional teams or individual racers. Send inquiries to Duncan Tech International at gmail.com or call 619-716-1532 for more information. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, don't forget to share us with your family and friends. The podcast is available on all streaming platforms and you can find us on social media as ATV Talk Podcast. We're on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, YouTube, Rumble, and Twitter. 